Well, we are in this series uh, about suffering uh, that we started a, a few weeks ago. Um, and, and for those of you who are new, this in part flows just out of my stage in life. I was diagnosed with cancer uh, last, into last winter, last spring. i kind of been going through that process. And uh, it just kind of tuned me in in a way that I hadn't been tuned in before. It wasn't that I hadn't suffered before. We had. Uh, but I've just reached a stage in life where I reflected on that and thought, you know what? Everybody suffers. Amen? Everybody suffers. In fact, that's what we talked about the first week is that uh, no matter who you are, uh, you, you've suffered in some way. Some people suffer more. Some people suffer extraordinary kinds of things. In fact, we're going to talk about Paul today, and he suffered in a, just unbelievable kinds of ways. Uh, some people suffer differently. We tend to associate the word suffering with, with physical suffering. But there's a lot of suffering, honestly, that's worse than physical suffering. There's a lot of emotional and psychological suffering that's, that's far worse than physical suffering, especially today, you know. Physical suffering, they can just give you something very often and, and help out a lot. We, aren't you thankful for modern medicine? And I, I am persuaded that, that people in the medical field have the spiritual gift of healing, that they are those that, that bless us in that area. But however we suffer, we have to deal with it in, in one way, shape, or another. We are thankful that we're all in this together and that Christ is with us in this. Uh, and so last week, we kind of talked about this, this idea. Um, when people suffer, the, reason, the thing they always go to is why. Why am I suffering? Why does God allow this? Why, why, why? And, and suffering, the, the, the why question is really kind of an illusion because we, we have this kind of unspoken thing in the back of our head. If I could just understand why, I could control it. And if I could control it, I could fix it. And so we, we struggle with that, that question. And, and really when we go to the Bible, the why question is, is not the most important question. And, and honestly, when you're in the midst of suffering, uh, although it would be nice to know why, far more important is the question, how? How are we going to suffer? Suffering changes everybody. Is it going to change you to be more like Christ, to be more loving, to be more connected to the people that, that matter in your life? Or is it going to change you to be away from that, to be angry and to, to be hurtful and to alienate people in your life? And so really this series is not about the why question. I don't know that I can answer the why question other than the, the large answer of we live in a fallen world. Have you noticed? We live in a world that's filled with suffering and pain and heartache and all of those sorts of things. And, and, and I, I can't fix that. And the only fix to that is, is Jesus Christ. And then ultimately, when he comes back again, I've read the end of the book. No more sorrow, no more pain. Praise God. Amen. So let's talk about the how question. And last week, we talked about kind of the, the process that Paul laid out. And incidentally, Paul does a lot of the talking about suffering because he suffered uh, a great deal. And so we, we talked about, you know, kind of talked about the safe harbor where rest in Christ in the middle of your suffering, trust him. Uh, and then how he brings the gold out in the midst of us. He changes us into the image of Christ and he gives us hope. And so we absolutely believe that there's uh, something that God does in us. He makes us more like him when we suffer. He uses that opportunity. He doesn't create the suffering, but he brings good out of bad. Amen. So today I want to push on a, a little bit uh, further uh, and talk about how God uses our suffering to reduce the suffering of other people. That it isn't just us. It's just not the, the, hey, God is making me more like him in the midst of our suffering. But God actually wants to use our suffering 
to minister to other people that are suffering. And, and as I've thought about this and, and processed this a little bit, and I've been reading Paul a lot about this in some other books, uh, here's what I've really come to believe uh, to be true, and that is this. Suffering reveals our deep, our dependence on God and others. Suffering reveals our dependence on God and others. Now, I use the word reveals specifically because we are always dependent upon God and others, right? But we are allowed to have this illusion that it's all about us. That everything we have and everything we do in our life is good because we're so smart and clever and strong. Yeah, nervous laughter across the congregation. But the reality is we are one car accident, one slip and fall, one change in our chromosome, one little thing, and everything changes because ultimately we are totally dependent upon God and upon one another. And what suffering does is it just rips away the facade and reveals it. It's kind of like being naked, you know? It's like, no, 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 I, I, I'm, really, I don't want to be dependent on anybody else, you know? In fact, I hate being dependent upon others. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you. It's just like, it just, oh, don't act like you guys just enjoy it. You're all sitting there like, oh, I don't know what the problem is, Master. How many of you don't like being dependent upon others? Yeah, we all like being independent and strong and, and all of that. And, and so what happens in suffering is it reveals our weakness. And we hate the word weakness, you know, unless it's someone else. We, we, we are dependent, and yet it's so hard for us to do that. All of my life, I have been the person that helped other people. Other people don't help me. That's just the way it is. Again, silence. Come on, you're all like that. I've talked to you around here. Nobody likes to be the one that gets helped. We enjoy being the one that helps others. Amen? And, and that's a good thing. That's the kingdom of God. I, 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 some of you, you'll tell me about how God used you in some way, and I'll say, that's the kingdom of God on earth. And, and I really believe that. We are called to help one another. But the, the difficulty for us is that when we suffer, it's revealed to us that we're, we're weak. And this has come home to me in a, in a big sort of, of way with the, with the chemo process. One of the things when I was in chemo was I was in the hospital for five days. So in order to get down there, I had to ask somebody for a ride to get down there because I couldn't take my car. And then I had to ask somebody for a ride to, to come back. I hate asking people for stuff. In fact, it was so bad that Jody would just ask people because she knew I'd put it off to the last minute, you know, because whatever I don't like, I, I, I put off, you know. And, and, and just a side note, we leaned into our life group during this time. Life groups are so important for us to be connected and have people we love. And, and you guys, so many people volunteered for that. And I'm so thankful for that. But, but just honestly, I just hated being dependent like that, you know? And, and so it's, it's hard for us. And so I want us to look at some stuff with the Apostle Paul uh, this morning. But, but just to kind of sum up what the Apostle Paul says about this issue, uh, he says this, the weakness that comes from suffering creates the opportunity for God's power to be activated in us. The weakness that comes from suffering creates the opportunity, okay, not necessarily take it, but creates the opportunity for God's power to be activated in us. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians today. And so 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, Paul wrote these words. Those words, okay, yeah. Uh, did we go to there? Yep, okay, let's go here. Um, speaking about his thorn in the flesh, y'all remember Paul had a thorn in the flesh? 
Such a, we don't know what that was exactly, but something that, that stuck with him all the time. He couldn't get rid of it. He said, three times I pleaded with the Lord. I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that, this is the purpose, the purpose for which it is, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. And here's these words. Let's read that last line together. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yes. Uh, and so uh, th this is just one of those amazing passages uh, because, because it's written by somebody that's experienced so much of it. And, and it's good in, in English. It's even better in Greek, in the original language. In fact, the word there for sufficient, you know, uh, uh, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That, that's a scripture everybody should memorize, and I had to memorize as, as a, a, a kid. But, but I'm kind of a word sort of guy, you know. And so when I read the word sufficient, I think of the minimum standard, right? Kind of the floor. And, and, and I almost get this image in here that, that God is going to give you just enough grace to kind of squeak on through and make it to the end. Praise Jesus, you know. How many of you get that impression from the word sufficient, right, you know? So let me read to you what the word in Greek actually means. Possessed of, possessed, possessed of unfailing strength, strong, defend against, ward off, satisfied, contented. That's way better than sufficient in my opinion. I don't know who translated that sufficient, but, but that's so much more. Possessed of unfailing strength. So let me read this. My grace is going to possess you with unfailing strength, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that better? That, that, this unfailing strength, possessed of that. And, and of course, you know the word perfect there. For, my, uh, for when I'm weak, I'm uh, made perfect in, in weakness. You've heard me talk about this. The Greek word that usually gets translated perfect, uh, it doesn't, English, perfect is not a good English word. Because when we think of perfect, we think of without flaw, right? You know, something doesn't have any mistakes in it. Uh, and, but the Greek word actually means to be complete, it has the idea of the purpose for which it is intended. Uh, so when he says uh, that my power is made perfect in weakness, he means that my power is completely uh, the, the, the right thing, the perfect thing for what you need. And not that it's without flaw, but that it is everything you possibly need. And so that, that one little verse is just so rich. It just, it just kind of overflows with God's power and, and God's strength. And, and so my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made complete in weakness. What a great promise for us in, in, in our weakness. And uh, you can see that, that Paul is one of those guys that suffered. He took a long time to think about this and struggle with this. But, but there is a little bit of a lesson in this, and that is this. Very often we have to get out of the way for God's strength and power to be known in us. Yeah, kind of a man, 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 man. Because we don't like that. We, we, we like the idea that God uses our spiritual gifts. And God does use our spiritual gifts. We like the idea that God uses our strengths. We like the idea that, that God has wired us up and we are going to conquer for Jesus. Somebody say amen, because that's good. Okay? <laughs> but that is not the only way God uses us. 
Sometimes he says, I need you to be weak so that my strength can be made known in you. I need you to step out of the way so that I can work through you and through your weakness and, and through those things you, you hide and you don't want anybody to know about and all of that stuff. I, I can use that for the kingdom. What an awesome God we serve. He uses us when we're strong. He uses us when we're weak. Okay, I'm going to try that again. He uses us when we're strong and he uses us when we're weak. Yeah, what an awesome, awesome God we, we serve. And he uses our suffering and our struggles in the midst of that to make us better and to minister to the world around us. And so uh, here's, here's my question. What if God wants to use your suffering to bless and bring comfort to others who suffer? What if, just, just a thought, what if your suffering isn't about you? Wait. That's like sacrilege in American culture. It's got to be about me. It's always about me. Suffering's about me. I'm suffering. You know? What if it's not? Well, what if God wants to use your suffering to bless and comfort others who suffer? What if God wants to do more than just bring the gold out of you? What if God has a, a bigger agenda? What if he wants to use your suffering to make others' lives better? You see why how we suffer matters so much? If all you're focused on is why, you never get around to asking these kind of questions. And as it turns out, God does want to use your suffering to bless others. In fact, 2 Corinthians says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Now we read that pretty quickly because the next verse you know really well. So we, we kind of scooch past this one so we can get to the one we, we really like. But, but let's just stop here for a minute. It describes God as the father of compassion. And in the ancient world, and especially for Hebrews, the word father was really, really important. And the relationship between a father and a son especially was, was, the, was so close that in fact they were kind of considered interchangeable. It's why Jesus got in trouble when he said he was the son of God. Because they said, well, you're claiming to be God because that father-son relationship was such an important thing. And so our God is the father of compassion. So the next time you don't want to feel very compassionate, just understand that God is the father of compassion. And then he says, and the God of all comfort. I love these descriptions of God. He is the one that gives the comfort. God is the source of compassion and comfort. That's just not an abstract idea that flows out of the heart of God into you and into me. That we would be people that are filled with compassion and comfort for those that suffer. So with that in mind, then he goes on to say, verse 4, um, who comforts us all in our troubles, so God comforts us, so that, now this is important, the so that's important, God is the source of comfort and he comforts us, this is the vertical grace, so that, this is the purpose, so that we can comfort those in, my, in any trouble with comfort we ourselves received from God. Isn't that cool? God gives you comfort so that you can give comfort to others. You, you take the part you need and, and you, you pass, it, pass it on. It, it's it's, it's kind of like, well, like tomato season, you know, <laughs> right? 
If you, if you have tomatoes in your backyard, it starts out as a, a few tomatoes, and you think, oh, cool, we're going to have a few tomatoes for a family. And all of a sudden, you got way more tomatoes than you can eat, right? You're eating tomatoes all summer long. And so you start going to your neighbors and going, hey, would you like some tomatoes? And they're like, no, 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 I got plenty of tomatoes, you know? And you see a little bag with your name with tomatoes. They were about to come to your house and give you tomatoes, you know? And, 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 and that's kind of this idea here. Comforts us all in our trouble so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. He gives you so much tomato comfort that you just got to give it to somebody somewhere. And that's how he's designed it. Uh, God's comfort flows through us to others. And so we, we think about this around here. Shared suffering can be sideways grace. Say sideways grace. I want to build this concept into you because it's central to the kingdom of God. It's sharing comfort and grace to the people around us. You and I are delivery people for God's comfort. Have you ever seen the delivery bike drivers like downtown Seattle, that kind of, you know, they're weaving in and out of traffic and you're afraid you're going to hit one of them and they're, you know, like in the middle of the road and then they're in the bike lane and then they're on the sidewalk. People are screaming and running and they get back in the, you know, um, I have to go down to the University of Washington every Monday through Friday. And so I see, I see quite a few of them and they're just around and they're always delivering stuff to places. And for the most part, I, I have to confess to you that for the most part, I have regarded them as a bother, okay, because I'm afraid I'm going to hit one one of them, and then I'm going to be in trouble, right, you know? Until I went into to the, to the um, chemo thing, one thing that happens in chemo is your whole sense of taste just goes completely haywire. So you, you don't have a very good sense of taste. And then in addition to that, because of the chemo, you don't feel like eating. You're not really hungry. But in order to, to stay as well as you can, you need to eat. So you've got, it doesn't taste good. You know, it's just all messed up. And you don't really want to eat. And then on top of that, to top it off, you get Hospital food. <laughs> Hospital food is fundamentally car uh, cardboard with a little sauce on it somewhere. That's just what it is. Tastes terrible. And so I was having a hard time, you know, keeping the weight on and doing that kind of thing, which you wouldn't think would be a problem for me. But it is when you're doing chemo. Um, and so I just, one of the nurses kind of took compassion on me and said, you know, actually they have these little apps and, and you can order food and someone will deliver it to the hospital. I'm like, yes. <laughs> You know, it's not cheap, but when you're doing chemo, it's whatever it takes. And so I would order that food. And very often it was a bicycle that would come and bring it to me because they could actually get through the traffic faster than the cars. And they would deliver me this food. And I'm like, thank you, thank you so much for this. And it was, it was it still didn't taste quite right, but it tasted a lot better than hospital food in the midst of all of that. You are God's delivery I was about to say boys, delivery people to those that are around you that need comfort. You can get there faster and better than anybody else because you yourselves have, have suffered in the midst of it. You've you're, you're, uh, got this uber important message. It's so important because I found that when we give comfort, not only God gives us more than we can handle, but when we give comfort to others, he multiplies it just all the time and, and, and blesses it. It's kind of like the fishes and loaves. We keep wanting God to bless the, the fishes and loaves and we're thinking about material things and I think he's thinking, I got way bigger stuff than that. I want to bless God's comfort and multiply it. I want to bless God's grace and multiply it. I want to see God's love multiplied everywhere we go and that's exactly what happens in these things, this sideways grace. So let me kind of, this is how I think about it. Okay? Your suffering is the key that unlocks the door to someone else's comfort. You see, suffering gives you credibility with other people who are suffering in a way that 
someone who hasn't suffered doesn't have. It, it, it's just, there's something about when, you, when you're talking to someone who's suffering in the same way that you're willing to open up to them and, 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 and share. It, it just, it's, you're, you're a part of the club, you know? You're, you're one of us kind of a thing. And there's this, this connection. And I've shared with you before that, that uh, a part of my, my treatment is now I'm in radiation. And so, so we, we get to do, I get to drive like forever to get down to the University of Washington first thing in the morning. Uh, and then, then, you know, they, they put you in the hospital robes, right? You know, so that they can humiliate you or they probably think they have a medical reason. But, you know, they put you in the robes. And, and then in my case, we all sit in this kind of waiting room for this thing. And it's been, it's been uh, three or four guys and, and there's one, one lady in there. And, and we've gotten to know each other. And so we kind of share and we talk and, you know, hold our robes close so that nobody sees anything they wouldn't want to see. Um, and, and, and so it's been this kind of rich getting to know these people and fun, you know. And, and Thursday, I, I come around the corner, and it was real quiet, you know. And, and there's a lady in there that's not in a hospital gown. So immediately we know she's not one of us, okay, you know, because she's not in a hospital gown, you know. And that's because an elderly parent, and so in that particular case, you can have somebody. Usually it's just the patients, but they can have somebody else back there for that. And so I went and changed and came out in my humiliation and sat down. And I noticed it was dead silent in there. Nobody talked. And the reason was that there was somebody in there that we knew didn't understand what we were going through. And all of a sudden, we didn't want to open up. We didn't want to talk about it because we had, you know. And that's the key. See, when you suffer... It's the key to someone else's life. And, and all of a sudden, they're willing to listen to you. Whether you have good advice or not, they're willing to listen to you because you suffer with them. Can I, can I just get personal a little bit? Nobody understands what it's like to lose a spouse until you've lost a spouse. And all of a sudden, there's a connection. And I went to school, and I did the psychology, and I got all of that stuff. And you can go to a psychologist, but if you can talk to someone else that's walked the same path of suffering, there's something healing in that. All of the things that go on, there's, there's a key that God is giving you in your suffering to unlock other people's doors. For the rest of my life, I will have a key into the lives of people that have experienced cancer because I've been there, done that. And I did about the worst chemo you can possibly do. And so it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm trained. It has to do with the fact that I've, I've suffered. And so it is with you. Your suffering, whatever that looks like, is the key to what God wants to do in your life. There's a whole new group of people you can minister to because you have suffered. God brings good out of bad. Amen? Isn't that cool that God would do that for us? It's just so powerful. God uses our suffering, in fact, to reduce the suffering of others. But if we will take the opportunity, if you have that key to, to get into their lives, you can, you can tell them, yeah, I've suffered too, but you can go beyond that. All of a sudden, you can talk about things like, God has been my comfort in the midst of all of this. God, God let me tell you about what God did. And, and this has been a real eye-opening kind of opportunity to me because as most of you know, I'm, I'm pretty far ahead of the curve with all of this. I've handled the treatment really well. The tumor is shrinking. The tumor shrunk a great deal during chemo. It's shrinking during radiation. Thank you all who have been praying for me because that is God and the prayers of his people. Amen? But not everyone in that room with the funny gowns that are embarrassing knows that. And God has been opening for the door because they're all like, wow, you're doing really great. And, and every time they say that, I get to say, yeah, it's not me, man. I got people praying for me all around the world, thousands of people. 
How did you get through this? Well, I, I don't know how I got through it, but I know that God has been with me in the midst of it in that hospital room. I know that, that in those moments when it was hard, God was there. And they are open to hearing that from me, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a fellow sufferer. God wants to open the door. And he's, gonna, he's already giving me the opportunity to give comfort to others because of what he's done in my life. You can minister to people that no one else can. You, you now have a unique, unique gift and opportunity. This is, why, this is why support groups are so popular all around the world. Because there's something about suffering together that binds our hearts together as one. And so this is what we believe. We do not believe God does not cause suffering, but he never wastes it. Amen? Read this with me because this is important. God does not cause suffering, but he never wastes it. He always brings good out of bad. Not everything that happens is good, but God always brings some sort of good out of bad. And it comes in unexpected ways. And there's some wonderful just blessings for you. I am so excited. The, the, the greatest thing that's happened with my cancer is my kids come to see me. It's cool. I didn't share that last week because my daughter and son-in-law were here, and so I thought, well, we won't put any pressure on them, but, but, but it, it really is a blessing. I'm having the time of my life, you know? My son is coming both for Thanksgiving and Christmas. This is my son that never used to return my texts, you know? It's like, what happened to you? You know? God never wastes suffering in our life. He uses it to make us more like him, but he will also use it to bring others toward him through grace and, and, and our suffering. In fact, we may never know why we are suffering, but we can experience great purposefulness in our suffering. It's bigger than me. It's, it's bigger than you. It's arrogant for me to think that, that my cancer is all about me. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful for his mercy. And I say what I have said from the very beginning. I trust God. Whether it works out the way I want or not, I, I trust God. But he wants to do more. He wants to use it for the kingdom of God. And he wants to use your suffering. We've seen this in so many ways. Some of you, some of you have experienced the loss of a child or a miscarriage. And those. You have a way to minister to families that nobody else can. I understand the psychology, but they don't want to hear from me because I have not walked the path you have walked, but they want to hear from you. Whatever's going on in your life, that suffering that you think, oh, it's all about me. God, why are you doing this? I don't know why it's happening, but I know that God can use it. What, in fact, if God wants to use your suffering to bring a lost person back to himself? You know, if my kids were far from God and I'm so thankful they're not, but cancer and even early death would be a small price to bring them back. I'd sign up for that every single time. God wants to use it. Reduce the suffering of someone who is going through the same thing. And so I, I want to kind of turn a corner now and, and talk about Paul just a little bit and why his suffering uh, is, is important. And so the Apostle Paul, you all know that he had the thorn in the flesh. Remember, we don't know what that was, but all his life he struggled with this. But listen to the other things he went through. Um, he was put in prison over and over. Do we have some tissue here? My nose is running this morning. Sorry. Ever since the cancer treatment, my nose runs more. So um, he was put in prison over and over. 
He was flogged an, 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 an unaccounted number of times. We don't even know how many times he was flogged. He faced death over and over. He received 30 line lashes from the Jews five times. Think about that a little bit. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned one time. Wouldn't want that to happen very often. He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a day and a night in the sea. He was in continual danger from rivers and robbers. He was in danger from his own countrymen as well as the Gentiles. Was in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, and from false brothers. Was weary and pain, in pain often and without sleep. Was often hungry and thirsty and cold and naked. And this is the man that wrote these words. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made complete in weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. Those words just got a lot more impactful for you, full for you, didn't they? Because you understand that he doesn't write them out of theory. He writes them out of his own experience of life that he suffered. And, and in the midst of that, he discovers God's grace and you can too. And the first step to experiencing God's strength is confessing our weakness. That's hard because we live in a counterculture that, that this is countercultural. We live in a culture where confessing your weakness is, is discouraged. You know, I mean, if you confess your weakness, people might think you're weak. And that's not good in our culture. But for Paul, he understood that there was something else in this. He is upside down kingdom in which God can certainly work through our strengths, but God can maybe do even more things through our weaknesses. So let me ask you this morning. Where are you weak? Where, where, where's your, your place of suffering? What, what, what's the thing you hide because people might think less of you? Might think you're, you're weak. What if God wants to use that for eternity? I just make it personal again. You all know that I'm ADHD and we kind of laugh about that. And, and um, I have over the years learned to turn that into strength in my life or through Christ have turned that into strength. But for a lot of years, I hid the fact that I was ADHD. I tried so hard to not be what I was. I had so many excuses I would tell people because I dropped something or forgot something or it didn't work out or I couldn't focus or I didn't get there on time and I, did, I, I didn't do all of that. And, and for a lot of those years, I would say, God, why have you done this? You know what my thorn in the flesh was? ADHD. I've told you the story about some of the things that happened to me in school, getting called out publicly by teachers for things I couldn't control. It was my thorn. It was such a struggle. Until one day, God just kind of said, I made you this way. And I want to use it for, your king, for my kingdom. And, and I want to use you in the midst of all of this. And it changed everything. And now I am unapologetically ADHD. Have you noticed? And I have a new philosophy of life. There are two kinds of people in the world, ADHD and boring. <laughs> I've decided you all have a problem, not me, you know? And God has used that over and over and over again. Where are you weak? Because when you answer that question, he'll say, I can use that. I can use that. Where are you suffering? I can use that. But ultimately, you have to let God take control. 
You have to let him have what it is. Your suffering can bless others. Paul would go on to write, be the most prolific writer of the New Testament, the theologian that brings together the, the Hebrew world and the Greek world and into this new thing about Christ and, and how it all, all is working. And God will use you too. You're probably not going to write large sections of Scripture, but he's going to use you, okay, in some way, shape, or, or, or form. And so if our musicians would come, I want to sing together a, a song, um, Yes, I Will. And, and the song basically is this idea that in the midst of the suffering and the struggle, I will praise God anyway. Amen? That, that, that I, I will serve him. I will, I will do what he wants me to do. I want him to use me because my circumstances are not what's important. My God is what's important. And he can use all of that. There they are uh, back there. So we're going to also worship the Lord in, in giving as well. Woohoo! Yes. Um, and if you're a guest especially, but for all of you, if you would put that communication card uh, in the offering plate, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also give with our app or online as well. We know lots of you. That's kind of the, the way you give. But, but let me pray for you. And then let's, let's just... In fact, stand up. We're going to stand up for this whole song. I know, it's terrible. I'm persecuting. You can put that under suffering. You know, our preacher is... Let me pray. Father God, Lord, this is just such an important thing because it's so easy when we suffer to withdraw. To think that, that when we get better, you can use us. When in fact, you want to use us when we're not better. When we're broken. You want to take our suffering and do things that matter for eternity, Father. And so I, I pray, Father, for this suffering people, for this broken people, Father, for all the stuff that all of us got, that you would take our weakness, Father, and you would turn it into strength. For when we are weak, then you are strong. And that's really, really good. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
say yes? No, 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 no. Will you say yes? Yes. Amen. Let me give, give to you God's uh, blessing from Romans. I love this. May the God of hope, our God is a God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope into the glory and honor of God. And all God's people said, God loves you. I love you. Go and love each other. <laughs>